2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have one of our best episodes yet. We have the incredible James Monroe Eagleheart. And I, I love this episode so much, and I know that you all are going to love it, too. If you haven't heard of him, uh, he was the genie in Aladdin on Broadway, and that is probably the role that he is most known for. Um, however, if you listened to last week's episode and you are keeping up with all of Take a Bow, uh, I'm a huge fan of James. I've mentioned him many times on this podcast. And I mentioned last week that he's stepping into the role of Billy Flynn in Chicago, and we talk all about that on this week's episode because he starts this Sunday. Um, so very exciting episode, a very exciting guest, uh, very exciting time to to talk to a person such as James. Um, and I know that you all are gonna love this interview. We talk so much, and he goes off the off the rails of even what I asked, and and in doing so. Brought so many amazing stories to the table uh, that I wouldn't have even dreamed of talking about. And so the fact that we were able to do so uh, just made this episode really special. And I know that you all are going to freaking love it, but it is a long episode. So let's waste no time and let's go to the news, shall we? Uh, we have tons and tons of news to talk about. Uh, it's been a great week for Broadway. Uh, th- there's been a few sad moments. Um, but let's talk about some of the good stuff here. Uh, West Side Story won three awards at the Golden Globes, including Best Motion Picture in a musical or comedy category. Uh, Rachel Ziegler won Best Performance and by an Actress. And then Ariana DeBose won Best Supporting Actress. So that was really exciting for me. I was able to cheer on some of my friends. It was really weird because the Golden Globes actually weren't televised this year. Um, and in fact, they were, uh, kind of happening, but not happening, and you had to follow it on, like, Twitter, and all these weird, crazy things. Anyways, Andrew Garfield, uh, also won a Golden Globe for his portrayal as Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, he won Best Actor, um, beating Leonardo DiCaprio, and all of these wonderful, um, Artists, so huge shout out to Andrew Garfield and his amazing work in Tick Tick Boom. Uh, MJ Rodriguez were uh, won for Pose, and Lin Manuel also won an award for Best Motion Picture or Best Animation for Encanto, uh, which he obviously wrote the music and lyrics for. So huge shout out to the Broadway community. They showed up, they put the work in on these films and movies, uh, and rightfully so won the awards, uh, and are properly getting the accolades that they deserve so uh huge shout out to um all of those incredible incredible artists it'll be interesting to see now the other award ceremonies that happened and if they will get the same attention or if there's going to be a little bit of biasness in it and uh, especially for like jonathan larson with leo i don't know if there's any biasness towards that um i don't know it'll be interesting it's but huge on the golden globes to celebrate the broadway community in such a big way um really with west side story and encanto uh giving them the best uh films in their categories was really really cool and uh got the recognition that it definitely deserves um so with that being said uh Let's talk about what else is going on. So right now, there's actually two-for-one Broadway ticket sales. Um, It's actually going to be for about a month. So for a limited time, uh, you can go see select Broadway shows. Two people can go see select Broadway shows for the price of one. Um, And that's what the two-for-one Broadway show is. Uh, Some of them are discounts. Some of them are the actual two-for-one deals. Uh, Some of them are just saying, like, 50% off of both tickets, which is basically a two-for-one. The tickets are actually on sale now, uh, but you can only go see the shows from that January 18th through the February 13th uh, time slot. But you can go uh, purchase a ticket now for those dates to get that deal. Uh, very exciting stuff. It's a great time for Broadway. I know being a part of a show, um, you really are excited for this, this little stretch uh, because you get a really full house during this wonderful promotion that they do. Um, And they do it yearly. Um, So very cool. I'm glad it's that time of the year. Uh, It's always around this New Year kind of phase because uh, Christmas and New Year's just happened. So a bunch of people came to New York and now it's going to bring them back, hopefully. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, another thing for, for Broadway as a whole, uh, Broadway extended their mask and vaccination mandate. Uh, they extended that until April 30th, basically saying that until April 30th, the same policies that we are following right now as we go to a show are going to be in place until then, um, until when it becomes April 30th, they will reevaluate uh what's going on as far as the virus is concerned, and they will... Um, Decide what they what policies should be in place. If in fact we will be able to be like, oh, everyone who's vaccinated can come into a show without a mask, or um, they'll keep the same policies, or uh, maybe they'll just say mask and no vaccine. I don't know. Uh, but I'm just saying those rules may be altered, uh, come April 30th. But right now, you must be vaccinated, you must be masked, uh, to enter a Broadway theater and to go see a show. until april 30th so that's what's going on there and uh, i saw a show last night i saw mj the musical and holy moly i posted a review on tiktok so go follow our take about podcast tiktok it's the same username as uh our twitter our instagram um and now we're going to be doing tiktok and we're going to be doing exclusive content there so it's going to be different content than what you see on instagram um i I posted a, a a review of michael jackson and it it, it was awesome. I mean, listen, Michael Jackson as a whole, I mean, it may have some controversy there. Um, however, I'm speaking right now solely on what I saw and the art that was put on stage last night. It was one of the most incredible shows that I had ever seen. That cast was incredible. Miles Frost is gonna be a name that we remember for a long time. He's gonna be a Broadway star. Now he is incredible. And you know who else is incredible? Middle Michael, whose name is Tavon Old's Sample. I mean, this these guys were just phenomenal. I mean, these guys were incredible. They were their the the their voice, first of all, is just insane. But the work that they had to do. To embody Michael Jackson and to, um, to 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 make you make the audience feel like you are watching Michael Jackson up on that stage, the work that they put into it, to ensuring that that would happen is is unbelievable. Um, this creative team has done such an amazing job with the choreography, with the embodiment of Michael Jackson, and working on. All the things, the set design, the, the costumes, the everything, everything was so well done. I can't imagine what went into the show and how much it, it could have cost and all of these things. Uh, but whatever they did, they are doing it right. They are right now in previews, and you couldn't tell. I mean, it is in amazing shape and i cannot wait to go see the show again when it opens because i will literally go see the show 10 times because those people on that stage were were absolutely fantastic and a lot of them are making their broadway debut including miles frost and Tavon old sample who i'm specifically mentioned who are playing the roles of michael jackson um it's I mean, what what they're doing is is just incredible uh it opened in december uh december 6th it is officially opening on february 1st um you guys want to go see the show i mean you have got to go see the show if you are a fan of Michael Jackson's music and you are a fan of Broadway and theater and supporting new artists, this show is for you. It was such a good time. I, that's all I can say. Like, it, it was amazing. And now I have been critical of jukebox musicals. So you all know that I have a strong love-hate relationship with jukebox musicals. But this one works. I, I mean, the casting directors, uh, shout out them. I mean, they they did incredible, incredible work uh, in finding these unbelievable generational talent uh that's rachel hoffman at telsey of course um i feel like they cast everything um so shout out to them um and just everyone involved in the mj musical because i loved it and i really think that you guys that everybody should go see it um it was really really cool and in the jackson five kind of stage of what they were showing um it reminded me a lot of like the temptations because it was all around that time. And they had similar dance moves. So to see like, they, they, they brought out like Fred Astaire and and Bob Fosse and kind of showed how their choreography is uh, related to Michael Jackson and everything. Like it was just really, really cool. Um, And I really think that a lot of people will really like this show. Oh, and last thing, there was a standing ovation at, at in act two during Thriller. Because after Thriller was performed, that whole house stood on their feet and went crazy. We all agreed that Thriller was worth clapping for and standing and everything in between because it it's a showstopper. I mean, period end of story. And like you think about it, where it's just like, oh well, like how are they gonna how are they gonna pull it off? Like it's such a big number and all the things but they do such a great job and it certainly lives up to the hype. I loved it. I went in with no expectations whatsoever and came out like in love. So um, go see MJ, the musical. Thank you to my mentor, Lou Grummet for taking me and your granddaughter. It was just, it was a really unforgettable night. And uh, I'm so glad that I got to see that show. Um, Anyways, I'm going to talk about Billy Crystal y'all. He's coming back to Broadway. I had no idea. I don't know how I missed this, um, but he's coming back. And it's in Mr. Saturday Night, which is a movie that he was famously in. It's coming back to Broadway, and he's reprising his role that he did in the movie. Uh, He's going to be in Mr. Saturday Night with Shoshana Bean, who's going to play, who's going to co-star with him, uh, and David Pamer. Who's also going to be reprising his role that he did in the movie? So I can't wait for this. I think this is going to be awesome. Uh, it's of course uh, it's not an original work, but uh, I think it's going to be cool to see those those folks on stage: uh, Billy Crystal and David Paymer, who are more known on you know stand up or the screen um and not so much uh on broadway and it is in fact going to be a musical so it'll be interesting to to see how that goes shoshana Bean's obviously gonna be amazing um and uh they they announced a couple other the cast so congratulations to everyone involved in mr saturday night i think it's gonna be fun it's gonna open in march uh march 29th i believe and uh yeah that'll be one to to go check out for sure because of the fact that this is a longer episode and including a longer intro and outro, um, I want to talk instead of doing a drama dictionary or a uh, triple E segment, I'm going to do a casting segment uh, because there have been a lot, a lot of uh, casting calls being sent out, especially for young actors. So uh, actually these are specifically for young actors. So if anyone's listening, that's like my age and younger, um, keep your ears open. So Telsey sent out a casting search for the young Snow White. So they're looking for about a 10-year-old female who will be able to play a younger Rachel Ziegler, and they must sing, and dancing is a plus, and it's going to be a supporting role. So if you are interested, the rehearsals will begin uh, in January, at some point this month, so it's a quick turnaround, and filming will begin in March. Um, So if you're interested, for more information, go check out CastItTalent.com slash SnowWhite. Uh, And it's actually going to be CastItTalent.com slash Snow underscore White. It's free to submit, and uh, it's going to be all on that information at at the link that I gave you. Um, The other other link and... uh, announcement i kind of want to make is that disney on broadway are also sending out uh open casting calls looking for their next young simba and young nala uh and for th- that's also going to be on broadway and on tour so for that information go head over to disney on broadway and you'll see the lion king will pop up click on lion king check out that information and it'll give you all everything that you need to know so uh, go check that out, and uh, hopefully everyone breaks a leg that uh, ends up auditioning for that. Hopefully some of you, I, I can inspire some of you to do so, um, because I think it's going to be a really great opportunity. It's so much fun, and you're going to meet some lifelong friends. Um, and you get to tell stories and play on a stage. What's better? Um, anyways, that that's enough for the casting calls. Um, I want to turn it over and talk about Chicago James Monroe Iglehart, our guest, uh, is going to be taking over the role of Billy Flynn on January 16th, this Sunday. And he will be joining my friend, Charlotte Demboise, who will be reprising her role of Roxy Hart for the 25th anniversary year. Um, she is, uh, she started, she already started. She started on Monday, uh, January 10th, and uh, I, I can't wait to go see these two, uh, especially now that I've, I've been able to meet and talk to James. It's gonna be amazing. I cannot wait for this show. And now, without further ado, let's turn it over to him, and he's gonna tell us all about it. James Monroe Eglehart, curtain up. (laughs) have a real treat for you all today. This man is a Tony Award winner, a triple threat, and will shortly be stepping into the role of Billy Flynn in Chicago. He's been on Broadway practically nonstop since 2008. You know him. You love him. Everyone, welcome to Take About James Monroe Iglehart. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, first of all, how you are you doing? This must be a crazy time for you. Thank you for taking your time to do this.
1: You know, it's um, people people ask me, is it a crazy time? And I kind of say yes and no, because it almost feels like we've just been we've just been in this time. Yeah. I can't really say, um, you know, what the time is, really, honestly. Mm. It's like I've I've been I've been so used to um, living in this moment of of you know of covid and broadway covid and pre-broadway covid and just like you know tests and masks and stuff We're like oh yeah now it's like i hate to say that like people say it's the new normal you kind of just have to run with it this is the time you're going oh i don't know what to do like you know what to do it's it's, it's been a year and a half two years you know what to do now
2: absolutely you just got to adjust and take you it got,
1: you got to adjust until they say you know okay something's different so you know that's how it... <laughs> yeah
2: you got to adjust until you got to adjust again you right. know, you know? <laughs> it's crazy uh but yeah the- that's awesome. So the way I usually like to start all my episodes is asking guests, you know, how they got
1: into theater. What what made you want to tell stories? Oh, gosh. Um, the funny thing is I had it in the house. You know, my oh. dad, my dad was an actor uh, for many years in, in Hollywood in the 70s. And my mom uh, is a music teacher and a singer to this day. My mom still sings, you know, at different churches and things like that wow. and different functions. So I, I've i always had storytelling in the house, and I've always been a really big fan of acting out stories. Like, don't get me wrong, I love books, uh-huh. but there's something about standing up and telling a story, kind of like a stand up comedian, or just, you know, as uh, Mel Brooks used to say, stand up philosopher, you yeah. know, where you get up and you just tell your story. And that, I've always loved that. And a good story with a good, no matter how simple it is, if you have a good uh, leading character, and a fun journey. You could take people anywhere. So I've always loved that since I was a kid, since I was little, since I first saw like jo- Disney's Jungle Book and then I saw The Wiz uh when it came to town. Like yeah. those two shows, I was like and I was obsessed with cartoons as a kid, all the Looney Tunes and Disney stuff and Saturday morning cartoons. I was obsessed with these stories and uh I wanted to be a part of it. So I just kind of geared I geared my journey towards that. That's awesome. Like, and now you're from like California area right oh yeah I'm from the I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area Hayward California to my soul man yeah so was Broadway ever like a thought over there for you guys yeah, to a to a certain extent, but it also Broadway seems so far away. Yeah, but the fun part is we always had tours. We oh, always okay. had national tours come through the Bay Area, so that's how I got to see the Wiz, and that's how I got to see Dreamgirls. You know, when those shows came through, my parents took me to go see them, and I loved them. I loved going to the actual theater. And watching live people perform, and I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, I feel like that's everyone. You know, we all just can see ourselves up there, and yeah. we like manifest it. You know, that we're gonna be up there one day. Definitely, um, that's awesome. So you made your Broadway debut in the twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Exactly, uh, yes. playing Mitch Mahoney, which yeah. is like a main character. So like yeah. that's no like that's no joke. Was that
1: like intimidating for like your Broadway debut? Yes and no. Yes and no. Only because um, I think what people forget is that Broadway is Broadway and Broadway's amazing and Broadway is the cream of the crop and I'm so glad to be here. Mm-hmm. But I had been, you know, toiling and... um you know, hitting the pavement, pounding the, I should say pounding the pavement for many, many years all over the country, you know. Right. You know, in Oregon and Texas and the Bay Area, and you know, just running around trying (laughs) to do this thing. So by the time I got to Broadway, I was a seasoned vet. I just wasn't a seasoned vet on Broadway. I had been working for like 10 years to do this. The only thing is Broadway people didn't know. The funny thing is Broadway people did know about me because a lot of folks from New York, came and did shows in the Bay Area at the regional theaters there, either American Musical Theater of San Jose or Theater Works of Palo Alto, or they would do Broadway by the Bay, which is in... um, San Mateo, all these New York folks had come to the Bay Area and done shows and I got sure. to meet a lot of them and they would always say, why aren't you in New York? And I was always, my answer was always, it snows in New York and I <laughs> hate the snow. If anybody oh my saw God. my Instagram, if anybody sees my Instagram, my Twitter, I have this ongoing weather battle with Javier <laughs> Munoz. Um, he's snow miser and I'm heat miser and I hate the winter. So I was like, I ain't going out there. It's, oh my gosh. They, they have snow. And um, what happened was I was doing this show um back in uh 2004. Excuse me, 2004. My bad. Uh, yeah, 2004. Yeah, 2004. Um, called Memphis at uh, TheaterWorks. Yeah. and my friend Derek Basket. We were backstage, and I said, "What are you doing when the show closes?" And he's like, "Well, there's this little show called Spelling Bee something. I'm gonna go try it." And he <laughs> is the original Mitch Mahoney. And yeah. So when they they were coming to the Bay Area, they couldn't find a Mitch Mahoney, and he was like. My friend James lives in the Bay. Why don't you do that? And so my journey was I did spelling bee in this Bay Area. We went to Boston and then we were told we were taken over for Broadway. So I had been doing theater for a long time. So by the time I got to Broadway, I was I was ready to come. I was I was definitely ready.
0: That's awesome.
2: What a cool story. I'm sorry that the weather yesterday was so. Oh my God. Not I love your them. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was flying in. I was just uh, traveling and then I was flying in. So I was hoping I wasn't getting delayed. I was like, this Yeah, is the a worst lot of people were like, travel. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, What am I doing? I don't like the snow either. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just not it. Um, so, so, yeah, then you mentioned like this whole Memphis thing. So you did. Memphis uh, in the Bay Area before you did
1: it on Broadway? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Memphis was around many... So Memphis opened on Broadway in 2009. Memphis uh, has been around since around 2000, actually. Wow. Uh, Yeah. um, um, David Bryan... And uh, Joe DiPietro had been working on it uh, with a producer named George W. George. He had the rights to the Dewey Phillips story, which is how Memphis is loosely based on Dewey Phillips, who was the first um, Caucasian DJ to play black music in the center of the dial of the radio. Hmm. And they had been toiling around and they went to North Shore around the end of 2003, winter 2003. And then 2004, the fall, they came to um the Bay Area and they brought all of their uh, principles except for one there was one guy they didn't bring and that's because my theater said look uh, we got this guy here what? and we think you should check him out and they're like well we pretty much have our cast and he was like well you just need to give this one guy a chance and um, what's really funny is it actually started at Theater Works as a reading so it started okay. at TheaterWorks as a reading, I think around maybe 2002, 2000, early 2003. Then it went to North Shore. It was a double production from TheaterWorks and North Shore. Then when they came to TheaterWorks, TheaterWorks said, we got this guy and it was me. And Joe and David saw me audition and they were like, okay, let's pick that guy. And the no whole character way. changed. The Bobby Bobby changed because um, I was doing all these stupid silly things and they were like oh that's Bob we want Bobby to do what that guy does oh my and God so that's that's how it happened and that's how I met uh Montego Glover Chad Kimball Jay Bernard Calloway Derek Basket and we've been we've been a family ever since that is so
2: cool i love that i love hearing the stories of like the pre-broadway like history, oh and, and the know. show
1: was so we had a different we had a different director we had gary gabriel berry who's an amazing director and he, he 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 saw it more as a comedy he saw oh. it definitely more as a comedy we were kind of without saying craziness we were kind of hairspray light right really. <laughs> and um what happened was George W. George wanted to keep it that way. And he really liked it that way. But then so the producers were like, look, we think it, it needs a, a, a change. And so we thought we were going to Broadway right after 2004. Right after the theater, we were like, we're going to Broadway. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't happen. And we realized wow. that's, the, that's the life of a musical. It takes a while to actually get the right ingredients correct. And one of those ingredients was Christopher Ashley. Oh. And our, we had a new director, Christopher Ashley, and a new choreographer, uh, Sergio. And uh, all of a sudden The the mix changed And the show changed And it got this It was still funny But it got this very serious darker tone Mm. That's when we knew Oh it took all that time For them to work on it And build it and create something new To make it what it was And Chris to his credit To his credit Kept Montego, Chad, myself Derek and Jay Bernard As its principles, because he didn't have to. He could have gone a different way. Right. And he kept us. And uh, I'm so glad he did. Yeah. And uh, because the rest is history, where we were 2010, you know, best musical uh, Tony Award winners. It's crazy.
2: Right. That is, that's awesome. And like, I know that you were like a seasoned vet already, you know, before you, and you already have a show on Broadway under your belt, but like creating a role is like a whole
1: different experience. Yeah. Like,
2: It, was that like your first time doing that? And what is the yes. co- difference?
1: Um, I think the different the, the, the interesting thing is you can always, when someone else creates a role, you can always look at it and go, okay, what did they do? And what can I add to it? And what can I take from my own life and you know bring to this character? Right. When you're creating a character, it's a blank page and you are just creating from whatever's in your head. And so the Bobby that they had they, they were like, look, we want you just to do your own thing. And I was like, well, what is that? And so I had to find it. And yeah. um, it took a few years to, to find. I'm glad they let me have that time to find Bobby. All the characters really kind of morphed to become what they were by the time we got to Broadway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, with the writing changed, all of a sudden it got to the point where I knew the character and I would go to Joe and I was like, I think I think Bobby would say this. And Joe was like, you know what? You're right, Let's let's go this way. And he was so open because he didn't have to be, he could have said, no, I want this to be this. Right. And he allowed us to kind of help create these characters. And um, it was so much fun to, like, build Bobby from the ground up. Yeah. And then see when I left the show, once the show closed and it went regionally and it went, you know, on tour, what other people brought i got to see what it was like on the other side right to see what other actors brought to bobby that was like whoa that's that's crazy
2: it's so yeah nuts,
1: you know well
2: it's cool too to like in, in the other like point of view like that you can see what they kind of kept from you like yeah. oh what your gosh, blueprint
1: yeah. was yeah but- and um a lot of i've had bobby's the other actors who played by walk up to me and go thank you you know what wow did yeah movie. because i was a I, i'm a bigger guy And so to be, you know, six foot and like, you know, 295 at the time and be dancing and doing cartwheels and splits and stuff uh rounder actors were like thank you for creating a character that we could jump into wow because people, people didn't think we could do that you know so it was always it was fun. I'm not saying I'm the first in, in by any stretch of the you know means or whatever but it was really fun to be able to be one of those guys to kind of like say hey this character is different and other people can play other size other looking different characters can guys can play this character
2: yeah it's so cool so
1: thank freaking you.
2: cool I love Memphis I think oh, it's one of brilliant. my favorites my yeah guy. Um, so it's, I mean, it's your whole resume, like is all of my favorite mu- <laughs> musicals, including Aladdin, like, oh. you, like you go from Memphis and Spelling Bee to Aladdin. I mean, and and no no character is like the genie in Aladdin. I mean, it's a, it's a magical Disney creature yeah. that, that you are portraying on a stage. I mean, how, how does that differ? Like, obviously, the, it's, you're creating another role again, kind of. But yeah. like, so, like,
1: what is that like? Well, that was also, that was a weird moment because, yeah. it, you know, unlike Spelling Bee, where it, the character was created by my friend Derek, and unlike other characters, and then unlike uh, Bobby, which was from the ground up, me creating the character. Genie was, you have to create Genie, but there's (laughs) Robin Williams' version of Genie, which we are basing this on. Right. The great thing about it is, I am a huge, for people who know me, know I'm a humongous Disney fanatic. Yeah. Also, uh, Aladdin was. And is one of my favorite films of all time. Oh. And also, I am a humongous stand-up comedy fan. Uh, on, I have a Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedy, and Robin Williams is on it. Wow. And so I had seen the film when I was 17. Uh, that was my high school graduation present for my mom. Oh. And I have loved... I remember leaning over to her. I've told the story before. When Friend Like Me was over in the movie theater, I said, I wish I could do something like that someday. And wow. so I have known, I, I, I'm, I'm old. I had the Aladdin soundtrack on cassette tape. So, and I, and I <laughs> played that. played that? Exactly, right? <laughs> and I played that thing out to the point where I had to buy it again. So I already came in knowing Friend Like Me, Prince Ali, and all his songs by heart, knowing what wow. to do. So I had always thought, and then uh, Disney, Disneyland had the Aladdin Spectacular, which was a 45-minute musical in uh, California. Mm -hmm. And I went to go see it and people would always go, Oh my God, wouldn't you want to play the genie? And I was like, I would love to, but they're not going to let me, they don't let, they're not letting, you know, black guys play the genie right now. And they, Uh, all the black guys played Jafar. And I was like, I don't want to play Jafar. I love Jafar. I love that character. (laughs) I tease uh, Jonathan Freeman about that character all the time. And I was like, but I don't, I don't want to play Jafar. Genie's the guy. And, um, when i was doing memphis i was sitting at home chilling looking at uh i think broadway.com broadwayworld.com one of the two and um i think it was broadway.com actually and they said they were doing it in, in uh, seattle disney was going to do a you know this new production of aladdin and i called the world i the called the world, world. <laughs> how do i audition how do i get in this i told my wife i said like, how do i get this yeah it was crazy and, and it was always Genie. It was always Genie. It was always Genie, wow. and I couldn't, I couldn't get an audition to save my life. They wouldn't look at me for anything. And wow. finally, what happened was uh, Casey Nicola, who directed, uh, was directing Book of Mormon at the time. He was looking for a Genie, and his cast member said, "Have you thought of James Eigelhart?" They literally said my name, and that's how my agent got a call and said wow. they want you to come in. And I looked at the script and just happened to know the guy who was playing the auditions. And I said, is anybody, you know, improv Is anybody making things up? And they were like, no, they're just saying what's in the script. I'm like, are you kidding? That nobody's, this is nobody just playing? He was yeah. like, no, they're saying only what's on the page and doing exactly what's said. And I told my wife, and I've said this before in other interviews, I said, they're either going to they they're either going to love me or hate me. <laughs> because I am going to completely redo this. And I started writing in my own jokes. I started writing in my own improvs. Wow. I mean, I, I I was improving and I wrote it in. I said, I'm gonna say this at the audition. Right. And that that poor reader who had to read with me had no idea where I was. Because <laughs> I was just making stuff up. I was doing cartwheels. I was ju- I was doing this in the room. No way. And uh Casey and the casting director. <laughs> So they were like, this guy's nuts. We need to see him again. And <laughs> right. I got a call back and um, Casey came to me right before the callback and he said, just do what you did for me in the original room. Just do that. Wow. And I went in there and I had new jokes. I had new stuff I had written mm-hmm. and I just started going and they were like, yeah, this crazy person is the guy we, we want. So that it really, is- and, and as far as like, your to answer your question, as far as like creating a character, um genie is the the Broadway, the um the Disney cartoon genie is Robin Williams, but mm-hmm. he is playing a character. There's a lot of Robin in the character. There's a lot, right. there's there's like it's 80% Robin, 20% a character they've written. And I said, okay, that's what you have to do. Mm. The genie himself is a mythical creature who wants to be free, wants to be seen as an equal, and just wants a friend. Mm. And But he also is an amazing performer, and that's how he deals with his pain. He deals with his pain by masking it through showmanship. If I just keep being a showman, no one will see how I'm really, really feeling, and no one's ever asked because I'm a servant. And when I looked at that and realized that that was the genie, I said, okay, I can do that, and I can bring... I can do what Robin did I can bring myself I won't do I won't play Robin I'll play me in this character and then Jonathan Freeman also freed me up Jonathan Freeman's the original voice of Jafar and has been he's the only if you've ever heard Jafar in English that's Jonathan Freeman <laughs> and uh, he's still Jafar right now I, as of as of this interview he's still Jafar right now and um he told me he said you know Howard Ashman's original uh thought for the genie was a black man. And I said, really? He said, yeah, if you go to the original movie, Thief of Baghdad, uh, the actor Rex, and I can't think of his last name, Rex somebody. Um, I went and watched the film and sure enough, it was a black guy because genies were slaves. And so they saw it as the, sla- the slave thing. Oh. And I immediately latched onto that. And then Howard Ashman also originally saw um, genie as an amalgam of Fats Waller, and Cab Calloway, two uh, classic jazz men of the uh, you know the early Harlem Renaissance era. And once I saw, once I heard that, if you listen to the music of uh, Aladdin, Genie's the only music that's big band. Everybody right. else is um, straight up a, a cool Broadway style, and then Genie has this big band music behind him. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, I don't have to be Robin at all because Robin's not a singer. I am right. And I can do this and I can, I'm a comedian. I can make up jokes. I can improv. And so between genie esque um, bringing yourself to the character, the history of what Howard was thinking, and the music style, I was able to create my own version of genie. And the funny part is, I'm going to drop a name right quick. I'm I'm a a name drop, so forgive me. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Mm -hmm. who got to work with Robin Williams, told me that Robin saw um, a clip of my genie and he said, I like what the kid is doing. It's not me, but he's doing his own thing and that's cool. Wow. He, he was afraid that I that I was going to or that Disney was going to like just copy his stuff and <laughs> I didn't do that at all. Cause also as a rapper for years and also sure. as um a love of stand-up comedy, first rule is you don't bite off people's material, which means you don't copy people's material. You don't copy other rappers which is so weird because hip-hop is so everybody copying each other right Right. um but when i came up in you know in the 80s and 90s you didn't you didn't try to sound like nobody else you sound like yourself because rappers are like yo you still you took my stuff right and comedians are still like that don't take other people's material and if you do give them credit and Hmm. so there were certain things that had to be in the show and then the rest of it they let me casey just let me go yeah and the the rest is history man I mean,
2: that, that's just an incredible story because, like, yeah, you gave an incredible, like, unforgettable audition, but you gave it every night, you know, like, eight times a week. Like, I can't imagine what it was like to, like, prepare for that, like, mentally, physically, like, the stamina, like, watching you made me tired, you know? The, like, the,
1: the funny thing is I always said, I always said of Jeannie, I'm a huge Disney fan. Yeah. If I'm paying 200 bucks to see a show what do I, James Monroe Iglehart, want to see? And I tried to give that performance. I tried to give what I would want the genie to do every night. Right. And also, because we were, you know, we were kind of under the gun, folks were like, oh, this show isn't going to work. And so I kind of had a chip on my shoulder and I was like, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I'm a huge WWE uh, professional wrestling fan, AEW, uh, AAA, uh, New Japan, pro wrestling, anything pro wrestling I love. (laughs) And the wrestlers always feel like they have to, if they get a title, they have to defend it. And I always felt like... Aladdin was my world championship and I had to defend it every night and that's how I went to work I had to I went to work ready with the with the show on my shoulder me and me and uh, me and uh Adam Jacobs tag team champions we have to defend this belt every yes. night so that the <laughs> audience will know that this is the dopest show the greatest show they've ever seen and that's how we went into it and that's how the, the cat when I told the cast the cat we were like yeah every time we step on this stage we are the best show you've ever seen and that's how we went into it
2: Wow, that's
1: awesome. And I mean, like,
2: clearly, like, it it worked because (laughs) you got a Tony Award out of it, which is like, what? Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. What was that process like? I can't imagine.
1: Honestly, that was one of the most whirlwind craziness of my life because um, I had been to the Tonys before. Uh huh. And I've been to the toys before with Memphis, but I was a cast member. And when you're a cast member, they just put you on a bus. You go to the <laughs> show. You do that. You do your song. You get back on the bus and go back to the theater. If you win, you show back up. If you don't, well, go home. <laughs> and that that whole process of being nominated, that whole process of coming oh, through, and to, was absolutely insane because you have to remember only one other. uh Disney actor had been nominated and won a Tony. That was Heather Headley. She won. Oh, wow. Yeah, she won for Aida. So there's only two Broadway. There's only two Disney actors who've won Tonys, at least as of right now, I think. Wow. Um, And... I, I was prepared, but wasn't prepared, you know? I, and yeah. mentally I had to get myself ready for tons of interviews and always being talked to and, you know, ha- have to answer certain ways. You got to do it the Disney mm. way. You also got to make sure that you don't say too much to not give away the show. And uh, and also you got to, you have to do the show at night, you know, that's right. the thing, You're like, stay, stay, stay healthy. So you can do, so that everybody can come see you. So they can nominate you or so that you could win, you know? I was like, ah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it was literally just like, the fastest and longest like couple of months <laughs> of my life. Uh, right. but it was I look back on it now and it was fun. I wasn't enjoying myself then because I was in mm. it. But when I look back, I realize how fun and what a wonderful opportunity and what a wonderful journey it was every night to get to do that show and then every day to get to represent. I have a few favorite characters in my on my in my Disney list. Sure. And Jeannie is a number one tie with Goofy. Oh Goofy, my God. Goofy, Goofy and Genie are my favorite Disney characters ever. Ew. And to be able to be a part of that history, be, be able to be a part of something I've loved since I was a kid, I just felt so honored. And I look back now and I even feel even more honored to be able to be a part of it. And when they... And I didn't expect to win. Honestly, I did not expect to win. I was like, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to go there. I'm going to represent my show. Yeah. Do my thing. And if we get on TV, it's just going to make more people want to see us. Right. And when they called my name, (sighs) I the world it was it, what's funny is i can honestly quote robin williams robin williams they said what was it like when you won the oscar and robin said well there's a moment where it feels like everything's going really slow and then you obviously you like yeah, yeah yeah and it was like Robin. that's how it was, it was like James, oh, oh my god and you get up there you start talking to that all of a sudden then it's over right you're like ah oh, what happened <laughs> You know, and then it's like, and then again, it's like I have to defend it. Now that I've got the Tony, people are right. expecting. Now it is a real title; oh, it's a yeah, real yeah. title. So I put that thing on my mantle. I was like, every night I will defend the fact that I won this. Wow! And no one will say that I didn't deserve it. I will defend this thing to the t- to my day to the day I leave the show, and I, I I did, and I'm glad that folks, you know, I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't wrong. <laughs>
2: yeah, you absolutely did. I mean, there was literally like. When people, I was in a show while it was going on, while Aladdin was going on. So, like, I wasn't able to see you right away, like, the show right away. And everyone that, like, was talking about Aladdin was like, even if you don't want to see the show, you have to go for the genie. Like, everyone was talking about you and your performance, and you definitely defended that title for sure. Yeah, that was very well deserved. I promise <laughs> you that. Yes, I mean that. What great company! I never realized that the only two Disney actors had won you and Heather yeah, Headley. Like, and Heather
1: Headley for Aida. Is come always, on, always that's Actually, sick. She didn't win for. Aida. Did she win for? Aida? I think she won for Aida because yeah, she was nominated for. She was nominated for um, Lion King, and then she won for Aida. Yeah.
2: Wow. I mean, I mean, what more do you need to say on that one? I mean, that's just incredible. Um, but like, I want to know because when you started Aladdin, you start, you're in rehearsals and you're in tech and everything. Like is the Tonys on, are they on your mind? Like is it? Yes and no.
1: They're, they're on your mind because people are saying it, but they also can't be on your mind because that can't be what you're doing it for. Right. If you're writing a show to win a Tony, you are not even going to get close. Mm
2: -hmm. You have
1: to write a show that you believe in, that you think is a good show. And then once it's out, you're going to let the, let everybody let the chips fall where they may. And It's hard because you know how hard you're working and you know people are saying, you know there's a chance that you could be nominated because you know, not that many leading men this year or or there's a lot of leading men, but you're one of the best ones. What's gonna and you have to go, yes, thank you, and not think about yes. it. You have to literally go, thank you, that's so sweet. Don't think about it, don't think about it. At the same time, while you're saying don't think about it, you're like, oh my god, that'd be so cool if it happened, please. Let it happen. Oh let me be nominated, I wanna be nominated. You're like, but I can't think about that, because if I think about that, I will mess up the show. So right. it was one of those moments where it was like so funny. that like I couldn't think about it. And honestly, I did not think about it until the nominations came out. And when the nominations came out and I was nominated, then I started thinking, wouldn't it be cool to win? But then at that point, I was so happy that I was nominated. Then it just became the gauntlet of now I can't miss a show. I can't be sick because all Uh. the Tony voters are coming and I can't think about winning. I just have to think about doing the best performance I could be so they won't go, oh God, we shouldn't have nominated this guy. You know, it was, there was, when you're in a Broadway show, not just Aladdin, when you're in a new show and you're bringing it to New York, there's always that possibility of award season, Mm -hmm. but you have to just concentrate on doing the best show you can do. And if people acknowledge it, great, but Mm -hmm. you, you're there for the audiences. There are only a few Tony voters. And when I say few, like a few hundred, but What I mean by that is that's that's nothing in compared to the amount of people coming to see the show every night. And is it better if you have a successful show or is it better if you personally are nominated for a Tony and your show wins a Tony? There are shows that have been nominated and not won that are still around that are still around. Mm -hmm. And there are shows that have won Tony's and were gone the next week. Right. So what's more important? Is it the award to say, oh, look, we won? Or is it the legacy of having a successful show, a show that high schools want to do, a show that regional yeah. theaters want to do, a show that community theaters want to do? Is it is What success? Is it the awards, and the adulation, or is it the longevity of a good show? Mm. And I am proud to say that Aladdin was both.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, then... I mean, then you went into a show now. Well, not now, but I guess more recently, Hamilton, that yeah. I think we can both agree ha- will have the longevity and schools oh, yeah. will want to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, so then you went into that and you, you, you're you playing Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. Yes. Um, what is it like to, to be a part of a show such as Hamilton and, like, kind of the, just get to enjoy it and not worry about the awards and whatnot? The,
1: the funny part is what people don't know, or at least some people know, is that I've been a part of Hamilton uh, almost as long as I was a part of Aladdin. No way. Yeah, because Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda and Tommy Kail are the creators and producers of Freestyle Love Supreme. Yeah. So when I got into Spelling Bee.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase
1: necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was doing it in Boston in 2006, and I met Chris Jackson, Christopher Jackson, who plays George Washington, in 2004. And we became really, really good friends. I was the best man at his wedding. And so oh, we wow. became like brothers. And so he told me about this group called Freestyle of Supreme. We were outside of this theater and so beat came on and we started freestyling about the stuff around us. And he's like, oh man, you need to join. You need to be down with my group. And I was like, cool, that sounds great. So a couple of years later it comes down, I'm finally in. The, I'm finally on the East Coast and um, I get a call from Chris. He's like, yo, Tommy wants to meet you. So I get to um, this little, I go. my wife and I drive to New York. Uh, and I go to this little um, room and there's Freestyle of Supreme. And I mean, there's th- the guys who are now legends on Broadway. Yeah. There's Chris Jackson, there's Bill Sherman, who's Tony award-winning Emmy nominated Bill Sherman. There is um, Shockwave, who's one of the best mm. beatboxers in the world, Tommy kale Lynn manuel Anthony Veneziale, who's a Tony winner, a producer, actor, um lead of uh, the conceiver of free self supreme and there's myself and utkarsh um, you know Imbakar, yes. but utkarsh is the star of ghost and the star of free guy and we are brand new we're auditioning because lynn wow. and chris jackson are going on to do in the heights i mean so they needed someone to take over for them while they were doing that so we auditioned and sure enough we got in the group and then while they're doing in the heights on broadway uh, I'm doing Memphis, and Lynn tells me about this show he's got called The the Hamilton Mixtape. Right. <laughs> and he says, hey, uh, it's not a show. It's just this project, and I want you to be a part of it. And I was like, cool, great. I said, all right. So we went to Alex Lacamoire's house, and we start rehearsing for this concert that Lynn is going to do at Lincoln Center. They had asked Lynn to do uh, an American songbook, and he says, hey, I've got this new show. Can I do that? So there we were, me, Mandy Gonzalez, Chris Jackson, uh, John Rua, Utkarsh, um, Karen Olivo, all these, all these amazing, crazy folks that you will go on to like win Tonys and do a bunch of stuff, right? Excuse me, we're all in a room, chilling, working on Hamilton, and I was the first Mulligan. Oh, so I'm playing. I'm playing Mulligan while John Rua is playing. um, Was he playing? Jefferson, yeah, he's playing Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson, because Utkarsh was Burr and Lynn was Ham, you know wow. Hamilton. And so we're doing that, and that's how it was supposed to be. But that same night, uh, I had uh, we had done Aladdin in um, Seattle as a pilot production, and that same night we did Hamilton at Lincoln Center. Uh, Casey Nicola was there, and Casey called me and said, "Oh my god, you did a great job tonight. Hey, I just heard from Disney; they're still interested in Aladdin." I was like, cool. so I had both. So when we did Lincoln Center, producers saw that and said, hey, we want to do Hamilton. So I get a call from Tommy and Tommy says, look, man, we're about to go to do this workshop of Hamilton. Do you want to be a part of it or do you want to stick with Aladdin? I understand if you want to stick with Aladdin. I said, actually, dude, I'm going to stick with Aladdin because, you know, I'm the genie and I've always loved this. He goes, I know you're a Disney nut. I get it. Go do your thing and you know, we love you, we got you. So yeah. I was I was still in freestyle of Supreme. Okay. Doing Aladdin, d- getting trying to get that up. And then Aladdin comes out 2014. 2016, Hamilton comes out. Right. I get a call from the brothers. Hey, you want to come the opening night? I come the opening night. I love it. I'm oh, I'm telling everybody about it to like, oh my God, Hamilton's the best thing in the world. We're laughing together. We're at the they came to my party. I came to their party. We're just kicking it. Cause we're all still a group. We're all right. still in free self- love supreme. After three years of, of uh doing Aladdin, I get a call from Tommy and he's like, Hey, what what do you what are you thinking about doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. He said, like, Well, what do you think about coming back to the ham fam? And I was like, yeah, but who who would I, you know, who, do you want me to play Mulligan? I said, not no disrespect. I love Mulligan. I said, but after playing De Genie, it seems kind of chill, you know. Right. And he was like, Oh no, 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 no. This time we want you to play uh Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. I was like, David Diggs is rule? Yeah, now, here's the funny part. Davy Diggs is also in Freestyle He's Love that. Supreme. I was there. The day that Tommy told oh Diggs God. about Hamilton, we were in. We were doing a sh- we were doing a freestyle show in New Orleans for the oh Super Bowl. God, like- so and I got this is on the same day. Eli, this is on the same day as we're walking towards the stage. Disney called and said, "Hey, we have to do a concert for a mini concert for Bob Iger, the CEO." Oh, okay and as I'm t- on the phone Tommy's behind me telling uh, Diggs he's like yo I got this show I think you <laughs> it you should check it out now I looked at Diggs I was like yo man you should do this Hamilton thing is dope so we all go on stage do our thing
2: oh Diggs calls God. me
1: and he's like listen man I think you should really do it I'm like yeah but you're digs i've loved you we've been boys forever nobody raps as fast as you and he goes i don't want to copy your style and he's like no no no. that's the whole thing they want someone to come in different from me so it won't look like someone's trying to copy me and i was like i said that i can do i'm a showman that i can do so i said yes and the rest is history and i got to spend four wonderful years with uh with three and a half you know with the pandemic uh, right with with uh, with the Ham Fam and I've loved it. I still have made lifelong friends with that show. And then what what did we do in the middle of it? Freestyle of Supreme came to Broadway. Right, and <laughs> all of us from that was it that were that started with the group and with Hamilton did that as well. So I was doing I, twice twice on Broadway. I was doing two Broadway shows. I was doing Hamilton right. and Freestyle of Supreme. Yeah. I would ju- I would like on on Sundays. I would do a three o'clock show at Hamilton. Uh-huh. Run over. And do the show at uh, Free Cell of Supreme. Then on Mondays, do two shows of Free Cell Supreme. Then jump back into stuff. Yeah, one day on this. God, Eli. One day I get a call. We were just Saturday that when they were Free Cell Supreme was off Broadway. The stage manager called me and said, "Hey, one of the guys is out. Can you come down?" So I did the two o'clock show, ran downtown, no to the Greenwich House, and did. Uh, the show of freestyle then jumped back on a cab and ju- ran back so i did three shows in one day i did hamilton freestyle hamilton and uh, oh, when you just, when you're that that family that freestyle family that's right. just how we do man that's just what we do good for you the hustle it doesn't stop you no know? <laughs> it does not
2: stop I love it. It's so cool. I actually saw. I've seen Freestyle of Supreme many times, but I saw though. I only saw you once, and it was with Jordan Fisher. It oh was yeah, performance that was so sick. I love Freestyle of Supreme. <laughs> I watched you. the documentary. Everything about it. It's just so cool. I mean, Thank what is? It? Yeah, no, seriously, like, what is that like? Because I mean, obviously, that's just like a different experience
1: every night. New stories to your talent, that. Like, is one of my favorite things because I love. Performing and that's gonna sound crazy because when I know people are gonna challenge me to that, but I it's fun to perform without a net. It's yeah. fun to perform just to create, you know, what's what's nothing out of nothing. Right. You know, somebody gives you a suggestion, you just create something out of nothing. And I thrive on that. I love that. Give me a subject and let's go. Right. And also just to be up there with your friends and do what I was what I would my father always said, find a job you would do for free and mm-hmm. hopefully someone to pay you to do it. Or basically, he was like, find a job you would do for free and then find a way to get paid for that. And that's right. what I've done. And I we we would freestyle for nothing. Me right. and Chris just in a parking lot next to a burrito shop just freestyling about <laughs> the dumb things we see. Right. And people are paying us to do that. I, yeah. I do that for the heck of it. And we get to do this professionally? Are you serious? Yeah. It was the best, best job in the world. Well, talk to me about,
2: like, obviously, like, uh, performing without a net and everything, but talk to me about performing as yourself and telling, like, your stories oh, that that's, you can relate to.
1: That, that's really fun, too, because yeah. um, that's one of the things I love about stand-up comedians. You're, you're not playing a character. You're you. Right. And you're telling your take on the world and your take on opinions and your take on stories that come out there. And I love that because you don't have to – you could just be you. You don't have to put on a costume. What I'm wearing on stage in Freestyle Supreme is just an, a louder version of what I would wear in regular life. Like yeah. you you saw Freestyle Supreme, and I don't know if you saw me wearing uh Knight Rider, Batman, uh, Millennium Falcon, or Star Trek, but I'm wearing Star Trek right now. Yeah. I'm wearing the Enterprise right now at home. It just doesn't have rhinestones on it. So I mean, right. this is what I would do as a normal basis. Uh-huh. So to be able to play myself was fun because then I didn't have to worry about. You know, the right notes or the right things to say. Mm. I just could say what was on my mind. And there's something free. There's something very freeing about that. There's something that lets you kind of go. Yeah, that that feels really good just to be you. Yeah. I think that's so
2: sick. That whole group. The fact that it's on Broadway. I know it's going on tour now. Yes. Oh, yes. Are are you like going to be popping into any of those or. That is the plan. You are? Yeah.
1: That is the plan. I was supposed to. uh, They're starting in San Francisco, which is my hometown, my home state, I should say. And I was supposed to go. And then uh, Chicago came up. And when I say you talk about the hustle, uh, Freestyle of Supreme in uh, closed on Broadway, January 2nd, 2022, January 3rd, 2022. I started rehearsals for Chicago. No way. Yeah what yeah but but that's great i mean you're always employed that's yeah, good I, I, yeah <laughs> and so uh the the family knows that and they they they, uh, they were they were so supportive and so sending me nothing but love yeah but i i look forward to, anytime i get to jump on stage with my fls family i am excited and so hopefully uh you'll see me in one of the cities uh around we're working on that right now I'm trying to get the schedule i can't say anything yet but that uh, yeah you know, that's that's the plan for me to show up. And I when you least expect it out, J-Soul will step on stage with FLS.
2: Well, I think that's what's cool about it. Like you go to the show and you don't know who you're going to see. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a different story, but you also don't know who you're going to see on stage. You well, know? that's
1: the fun part. FLS is a entity that no matter what you see, it's going to be a good show. You just don't know who's going to show up. Yeah. You just don't know who's going to show up. It's so cool. I love everything about the show. I, that's why it keeps co-
2: it keeps you coming back. You yeah, know? Like, oh
1: yeah, you have to because you because it's not. Don't get me wrong. Like you see a Broadway show and you love it because you love it, but FLS you go because you don't know what you're gonna see. You don't know right. what you're gonna get. It's gonna be different every night. It's I, and I've been doing it for sixteen years. Wow, and it's never been the same We've never you
2: you've been with story. freestyle love supreme for 16 years or freestyling
1: yeah. for 16 years freestyle love supreme for freestyle supreme is 18 years old and udkarsh and I have been with it for 16 years holy moly i didn't realize that that's crazy oh, yeah we, we but, joined we joined in
2: 2006 yeah wow let me ask you a question how would you describe freestyle love supreme like if you're going to see it for the first time like because there's like you can't really Say it's about this. I would
1: say Freestyle of Supreme Mm -hmm. is a hip-hop improvisational comedy group that will tell a brand new story that is always different because it's never the same. It's happening for the first and last time right then, right there. And trust me, you're going to have a great time. Wow, wow, that
2: was like a little promotion there <laughs> I like it Thanks, um but so i'll I'll let you go here in a second. I just want to ask you, obviously you're stepping into the role of Billy Flynn and you're oh, yeah. in rehearsals um you start January seventeenth yes. how
1: excited are you for this is like is this am, a dream
2: role of yours what's
1: weirdly yes and no like I remember okay. I, I was I was chilling uh another name drop I was chilling at, at the end of Hamilton I was on my like last week. And I was in Mandy Gonzalez's dressing room. We were laughing about life and just, you know, being parents and all that kind of stuff. And she said, so what are you thinking about doing now? I'm like, you know, right now I'm just thinking about Free Self Supreme. I said, I don't know. I said, there are a couple roles. She goes, are there any shows on Broadway, on Broadway uh-huh. that you would want to do? And I said, I, I love Phantom of the Opera. I would love to step into the role of Phantom. Wow. I said, you know what? I said, the other role, I said, but they'll never, ever call me. I said it would be fun to, I think, play Billy Flynn. No way! I said, but you know, Chicago folks ain't looking at me, right? And literally three months later, I get a call. That's crazy! I had no idea that they were even looking at me or interested. It was crazy. And I called, man. The minute I got the part, I called Mandy up. I said, "Yo, did we, did we put this in the air? What happened?" Hundred percent. She was like, "I guess we did," because I had never said it out loud. I had never said. Billy Flynn out loud but I was I was looking at stuff and I was like well you know sometimes they they put guys in the role that you don't you know imagine and I just said that That was the first time I had ever said it out loud was with Mandy Gonzalez and here we are here we are and what's funny is I've always thought the role was fun I've always thought he was dashing I've always thought he was um, just kind of smooth as silk you know Mm -hmm. and uh, but I never thought that some would look at me like that. And now that I've been in rehearsal for a couple of days, it's such a fun role and the show itself. And the funny part about Chicago is I had never seen it on Broadway. I oh. have been on Broadway. I have been on Broadway since 2007 and I have walked past the Ambassador Theater hundreds of times, <laughs> hundreds of times. Right. And never saw it on Broadway. I saw Chicago, 1998. In Chicago, I went. To, oh. I went to Chicago to audition for The Lion King, and I had nothing to do that night. And I said, "You know what? I'm going to the theater. I see if I can get a ticket." And they had like a couple of tickets left, and they were way in the. I mean, they were in the rafters, right? <laughs> and I paid a hundred hours and sat in the oh nosebleed seats and watched Chicago went This is pretty cool, and yeah. um. You know, I got to see Jasmine Guy and I got to see Oba oh, Papa and some amazing actors and uh, just fantastic. But you know, at that time I was like Lion King gunning. I was like, they're not getting there. Well, Chicago's great show, but they ain't got it for me. And now looking at it, it's such I've been watching it, you know, this week, it's such a fantastic show. Yeah. It's you know how some people say, Oh, show's still in good shape. No, it's not still in good shape. It's an amazing show. <laughs> There is no shape that the performers there are killing it. And also, especially in this time of COVID time Mm. where, you know, the understudies and um, swings are killing it, or at least I should say being recognized for what they do because they've been killing it since the beginning of time. Right. But the fact that they're finally being recognized is a wonderful thing. I am telling you the Chicago cast is incredible. Or as I like to say on Instagram, The Chicago cast is fire from (laughs) top to bottom. Oh, my God. They are just, if you get a chance to see them right now before the 17th, go. Mm. they are this cast is great the, the the couple of us that can't are coming in can't say who that is couple <laughs> of are coming in for the 17th we gonna be fire too and i can't wait yeah. for you guys to see it. it's so so good oh my god i'm so excited
2: i can't wait to see you in that role i think Thank it's you. gonna be amazing like you said though like it was one of those things that like i i guess i would have never pictured it but now that you like are in it i'm like makes sense
1: what's funny is that happened my friends called and they were like oh my god this makes so much sense though right? like right I said I never thought about it myself but yeah you're right yeah literally I love I like, it I I I've, I've like listened to his stuff but when I said it to Mandy I was saying it as like that would be a fun fantasy of mm. being able to wear the tux and come down the stairs never yeah in a, and and what's funny is I should know better I should know better because I am 47 <laughs> years old and this wow. has happened to me several times i will say uh it would be fun to do this but that's never gonna happen that's what happened with genie yeah it'd be fun to play genie but they're never going to i said yo it'd be really really fun to like you know jump up there with ham and all those guys but then that's never gonna happen Wow. i said it'd be fun to actually be able to rap on broadway i said but you know i I, i've been rapping for a long time but yeah i'm too old for that free self supreme Wow. I, I said, I said, it'd be really, really cool to play the Wiz, to do the oh. Lion and the Wiz in New York City. And we got to do it in 2009 with the Encores. Uh, and at the time, it was me, Josh Henry, Christian Dante White, three guys wow. who nobody really knew. And now, Look at you. you know, you go to Times Square, there's a giant picture of Tom, of uh, joshua henry and yeah. christian dante rice one of the best performers in the world i mean with, with you know with with funny girl just being just um killing it with bet midler i mean the boy is amazing and i've said this several times like, that's how i got into cartoons you know mm. i was like i wish i could do some disney cartoons i wish i could do some stuff like that every time i've said it something in the world has allowed a door to open to for me to be blessed to do this and so i just tell folks out there i'm like look you know put it out there you never know what's going to happen dream big work hard but dream big because Mm -hmm. you never know a door might open and what you're looking for is there but be prepared be prepared i have made sure that i am on my game when it comes to the things i want to do if i want to do it i'll be prepared for it i don't know if it's going to happen but i you know i practice just in case some crap happens and they go hey you want to do it i'm like yeah sure yeah and that's just how I've always lived my life. You know, prepare for what you want. Right. And so I have prepared for what I want. And so when things come in, I'm, I'm so, if the door opens, I'm ready. But there's always another door. And these doors that have opened have been nothing but blessings. I have had the most blessed so far uh, professional career. And I, I, I love every second of it. I, now that I'm older, I'm just enjoying every moment. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you.
2: And I think that's a perfect place to leave off on. I mean, that was some great advice. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, But before we go, drop your Instagram handle, make sure they know where to follow you and keep up with what you're doing.
1: Sure. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at JMIIGLEHART. That is J-M-I-I-G-L-E-H-A-R-T. If you are on Twitter, I am James M. Iglehart. That's James. M, as in Monroe, I-G-L-E-H-A-R-T. That's where I am, that's where I kick it. And uh, and then, you know, you could just probably see me at Five Guys or see yeah. me at Chipotle or see me at, uh, what's this at? uh Peking Duck on uh, 50, 51st, 52nd, right next to Chipotle. Yeah. I kinda, when, when I found out that the ambassador was on 49th, I was so oh, happy because it's right next to my favorite two Asian restaurants. Uh, <laughs> Kung Fu little steam buns across the street. And on the the street of 50th is is, uh, Peking Duck. I was like, ha, yes, it was supposed to happen. Because (laughs) the last time time I was on 50th, I was at Circle in the Square with Spelling Bee. And that's where I found those two restaurants. And now (laughs) I get to go. Oh, my wife is mad. She was like, if you don't stop going to those restaurants, I'll kill you. Oh, my god. Come there like every day. And the guy's like, hi, James. My wife's like, don't spend any more money there. Don't. But I can't help it. I'm like, I'm so close. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> Two show days are looking real Oh, now. my God. They, <laughs> I,
1: during rehearsals, I've just been chilling. And my wife's looking at the a card account like, if you go one more time. I was like, what? Well, I was at Chipotle today. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome
2: I love it well congratulations on everything you're doing Thank you, Eli. keep up I mean this is awesome just this episode here is awesome people are gonna love this I love what you do I love what you do in telling your story
1: uh and telling other people's stories uh it's just incredible I really look also up to but me. I have to have say I, have to say, I have to say but also the other thing I love doing is voiceover so ladies <laughs> and gentlemen who are listening to this amazing show with my brother Eli if you are not doing anything if you are not at a Broadway show if you are not at the movies, you need to be on the Broadway Podcast Network, listening Fate. to Twits, where I am playing Ahmed Ben Fitzwilliam, and it is a great, amazing steampunk adventure. You have got to check this out. I mean, the story is got intrigue. It's got comedy. It's got weird things. It's got the coolest sound effects in the world, because the Broadway Podcast Network produces some of the best in audio theater out there today. If you don't believe me, check it out yourself. But I am telling you, if you are in for a wonderful story and you just want to sit back and let the story just warm and rush over you like a warm bath of comedy wonderfulness, check out Twits on the Broadway Podcast Network. Starring the boy Jaysmore Igohart. And don't forget about Falling in Love with Mr. Delamore. Oh, because- Falling in Love with Mr. Delamore. You have to go there. Falling in Love with Mr. Delamore is another one. Trust me, it is a new audio uh, musical that you... It's, I Actually, we call it an audio experience. You It's an audio experience that you have to hear. It is all about what happens if you would actually meet Mr. Delamort. I don't want to tell you who it's about. <laughs> all I want to say is this. Courtney Reed, Tully Liang. You've got Lena Hall. You've got Jackie Hoffman. We have got some of the best singers and songs in the world. Trust me. Also, if you want to hear James Iglehart and uh, Courtney Reese sing a whole different way, check out (laughs) Falling for Mr. Delamore. You will love it.
2: Oh my God, that was brilliant. Thank <laughs> you for doing that because I that completely slipped my mind. So oh, no, good no. Che- <laughs> That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, go check that out on Broadway Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to your podcast, wherever yes. you're listening to it now. Um, it's literally anywhere. Just search it up. I promise you, you don't want to miss it for sure. Thank you, James. This was oh, my awesome. Pleasure, really no problem, appreciate man. it. You got it. That was such a fun episode. I loved that interview so much. Everything that he was able to say... Um, the most fascinating thing that kind of stuck with me that was not emphasized, so it may have been, um, you may have not even caught it, but he really brought out the person in himself during the interview because he said at one point during the Aladdin conversations with the Tony Awards and everything going on, he was like, You know, there was a time that I just wasn't enjoying it. And now I look back and I just think about how lucky I am and how grateful I am and how much fun that that time in my life actually was. And I was just like it's so like I I loved what he said in that. Um it it really brings out how the performers feel in in most things. Um they they feel alone a lot during shows and stuff like that just due to the demanding schedule and all the things, but the fact that he was able to share that with us and kind of be so real without even, I don't think meaning to, uh, just really went a long way uh, and really stuck with me. And uh, it's really something that I'm grateful that he mentioned. And, um, It'll be something that I discuss more on this podcast, uh, and I look forward to doing so with myself included and with other guests. Um, so it's gonna be. I, I thank you, James. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for coming on and sharing all those incredible stories, including the happy ones, including the happy ones, including um, Robin Williams. The way that they, the the fact that he had mentioned the genie was actually gonna be, uh, was actually. First envisioned as a black man to play the role because he they saw the genie as a slave uh, to Aladdin um, was really fascinating and the fact that Robin Williams was able to play it in the end is really really cool. Um, I, just all the things that he had to say and all the things that he didn't even um, that we as audience members wouldn't have realized unless he he had brought it to the forefront. Um, I'm really grateful for all the things that he shared, especially because I didn't even know half the things. To uh, I didn't have those questions ready to make him talk about that thing, those things. He kind of did something really beautiful um, and was an incredible interviewee. And he went off the rails. And as he was talking, one story led to the other, and he re- was remembering all these things, and he was reliving all that with me. So James, really, you that interview really meant a lot, and um, I I enjoyed it so much, and I know that um, I'm not the only one that enjoyed that interview because i enjoy a lot of the interviews but that was really special to me um and i think that it's going to be very special for a lot of the audience so james thanks again for coming on thanks for sharing all those incredible stories um before we go um i just want to mention that there are rumors uh going around that chess is going to be is coming is trying to make a comeback To Broadway, uh, and they actually have a creative team in place. This is a big deal. I know that uh, Chess definitely did not get the run that it deserved, uh, and I know that there are some crazy Chess fans out there. Um, So that's going to be very exciting. And you know who announced it? It was Tim Rice himself, the uh, composer and lyricist. Um, He actually has his own podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network. Um, where he actually announced that uh, just talking. And I don't know if he meant to. I don't know if it, like, slipped out or what. Um, I think he meant to. Um, I I actually don't listen to – I haven't listened to the episode um, yet, so uh, I definitely am going to. So, everyone, go support uh, the Broadway Podcast Network uh, and check out Tim Rice. And also, once again, go support the Broadway Podcast Network and listen to Twits the new steampunked podcast with our guest this week and as well as falling in love with mr delamore as james had referred to uh they're both incredible i've listened to both they're so much fun just because the interview did go too long i didn't want to take up too much of james's time so I, we didn't get to discuss it at length but uh james thank you so much for shouting it out there at the end and encouraging everybody to listen to the show uh they're both incredible I seriously, I vouch for it. Um, It's great stuff. So uh, go check it out if you can. It's all on Broadway Podcast Network and go check out some of the other uh, podcasts on the network because there's some great things in there. And before I let you all go, I just want to congratulate uh, the shows that are closing and uh, celebrate them one last time and to inform you all that they are closing. So congratulations, Ain't Too Proud, which is closing on Sunday Flying Over Sunset, which is also closing on Sunday. Uh, Clyde's at the Hayes Theater, second stage theater, is closing on Sunday. Uh, We also have To Kill a Mockingbird uh, leaving the Schubert Theater on Sunday, and then it will uh, resume in the Belasco Theater on June 1st. Um, So it's taking a little bit of a hiatus from Sunday to June 1st. Um, That's closing. And then we also have, um, oh, and that's it. So congratulations to those four shows and uh, good luck in To Kill a Mockingbird on your next chapter. Um, congratulations to you Proud that had a very long run this day. This dated before uh, the pandemic, and unfortunately, was ha- had to shut down due to the pandemic um, and due to the lack of sales during the pandemic. Um, it definitely would have ran longer, I believe, if uh, it wasn't for the pandemic. This is a show that I loved, and uh, I'm sad to see this one go, but I know there's going to be some great ones going in to these new theaters, so congratulations to them, um, and that's all I have for you folks today, but stay tuned because we have some pretty big things coming. And uh, I'm really excited for it. And hopefully that it's a new chapter for Take a Bow. So uh, more to come. Stay tuned. And I hope to see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's Curtain Call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take the bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com tab. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at A A TakeABow's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Kalanon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week.